This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Chris Foster. President Biden attended the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit in San Francisco, where he met with Chinese President Xi Jinping for the first time in more than a year. But just before that critical meeting, Fox News Rundown's Jessica Rosenthal spoke with Louisiana Senate Republican Bill Cassidy about America's relationship with China and how he hoped the president would confront Xi on issues like trade, Taiwan sovereignty, and that spy balloon incident from earlier this year. Cassidy emphasized the importance of protecting our nation's intellectual property and shared details about his recent trip to China, where he met with American business owners who said their company's secrets were stolen. The Louisiana senator also suggested how the U.S. can finally stand up to Beijing on the issue of climate and hold China accountable for its pollution. We often have to cut interviews for time during the week, but we thought you'd like to hear this full interview now. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the Weekday Rundown podcast if you haven't already. Now, here's Senator Bill Cassidy on the Fox News Rundown Extra. All right. Ahead of this meeting, this APEC meeting uh, that the president uh, is having, where where he will, I guess, meet and talk with Xi Jinping, he said he wanted this meeting, and you may have heard his words yourself, to result in getting U.S.-China relations back on a normal course. And he specified where our militaries can communicate. How important is that right now, as we see the U.S. says China has become increasingly aggressive in and over the South China Sea with ships and aircraft? Yes, so I think it is important. We do not want a hot war with China. Uh, The kind of model that I'm I'm embracing that I've read is that we are going to compete with China. Occasionally we're going to cooperate with China, but we want to avoid confrontation with China. Right now China is flying jets within 10 feet of our jets and creating turbulence with their jet engines that our jets then fly through, which, which makes it mm-hmm. difficult, both first the risk of collision, and then secondly the risk of the tur- turbulence. Now, that should be avoided. If it occurs, it may trigger, literally, a response from the United States, uh, which in turn could trigger something from China. So we should work to avoid a hot war, and communication, hopefully, to avoid these sorts of incidences and others, kind of gratuitous conflict, if you will, uh, is, is, you know, any communication to prevent that is good communication. Well, the president also said that um, if the average Chinese citizen was able to have a decent paying job, that would help China and it helps us. We know China's economy has been struggling relative to where it was. But then he said, but I'm not going to support positions where if we want to invest in China, we then have to turn over all our trade secrets. What does that mean for all of the U.S. industry already in China that perhaps already had to turn over all of its intellectual property? I mean, this summer, Chase CEO Jamie Dimon, Elon Musk, Tim Cook, they were all in China. Our industry seems to want to be in China regardless of this IP issue. So I just went to China, oh, I guess now about a month ago. Uh, And I can tell you the people over there are concerned about it. And best I can tell, they've got money there. They plan to continue those investments, but they're not planning to invest more money. They recognize that the Chinese government is uh, has stolen their IP. 
Um, as one guy said, I didn't realize they stole my IP until my competitor built a plant that looked just like mine. Um, <laughs> and then he goes back and finds out, yep, they stole my IP. Uh, another businessman told me, in China, you don't just compete against other companies. You compete against the Chinese Communist Party. Um, right. They will decide who to subsidize, who to award, who to give special benefits to. And usually, almost always, those are Chinese companies competing against non-Chinese companies. So I think that whatever Mr. Diamond and others say, the people who are there have learned the hard lessons, and they will continue their investments, but I don't think you'll see a lot of future investment. But when the president said, you know, Chinese people having jobs is helpful to everyone, including us, but I'm not going to support handing over our trade secrets, is he linking China's struggling economy right now to how much the U.S. invests in their country? He should link it. The United States has been a huge investor, a huge investor in China. Uh, if you take that plus our trade deficit, we basically finance their economic expansion. Bob Lighthizer, President, former President Trump's lead trade negotiator, said that you can take our trade deficits over the year, and that pretty much adds up to what the Chinese have spent on modernizing their military as well as doing other things, for example, Belt and Road, a foreign policy initiative to, 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 to outcompete the United States and other countries. So um, the United States mm -hmm. has contributed tremendously to the prosperity of China, and unfortunately for the United States, the, uh, the Chinese have used that prosperity not to improve the lot of all the other Chinese, but of attempting to modernize their military, et cetera. So, but we, Senator, we've heard from the Trump administration and now the Biden administration to some extent about making more things at home, right? Um, we heard Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen who met her counterpart ahead of APEC, she said in remarks, we don't want to decouple from China. That would be disastrous for the world's economy. But as there's this effort to make more things at home, what exactly are we trying to do? Are we trying to let American industry stay in China while incentivizing them to also open up plants here at home? Or are we trying to get American industry to up and leave China while at the same time telling them we don't want to decouple from them? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> uh, Jennifer, you just nailed it, uh, which means you nailed four or five things. If a company has a billion dollars invested in China, they're not walking from that investment. But if a company has a decision as to whether to continue to contract with somebody in China or to contract in a place like Vietnam or Mexico or Latin America elsewhere or Canada, then they're probably looking at it pretty seriously and thinking about contracting outside of China itself. And some companies, because of the advantages of the United States, are instead moving their operations to the United States, and frankly, including some Chinese companies. Why? Because we've got a great workforce. We've got um, cheap natural gas. We've got the ability, for example, in my state, the Mississippi River can move goods from the heartland of the heartland of the United States out to international markets. And we also have rule of law. You mentioned earlier about people getting their intellectual property stolen. Well, in the United States, that doesn't really happen. And if it does, you've got redressing courts. So right. all the advantages of the United States is causing many firms to move operations back to the United States. Good for our workers, good for our economy. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. 
and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Do we know, can you name, sorry to put you on the spot, but can you name a company that has actually uprooted out of China and come back here? Or come or, or shifted to Mexico? So I think that the um, uprooting uh, is probably not the word, but a shift in um, investment to the United States or elsewhere. Uh, so um, uh, uh, if you look at, um, oh, I'm trying to think of, there are companies, I'm most familiar with Louisiana, companies that are in shifting investment strategy to the United States. Um, there's one project that Honeywell has that um, uh, that will show an investment in the United States that is uh, could have gone to China, but instead is coming to my state, uh, as mm-hmm. one example. Uh, and if you look at the numbers, the so-called reindustrialization of the United States, it's happening now. Partly that's related to what I described vis-a-vis China, Partly it's related to the inexpensive natural gas that we have that is making companies do a better business model for building here, but also um, stimulating the production of LNG export plants. Uh, So all that's working to our advantage. Uh, I'm very bullish on the future of the United States. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let me shift for a second here. We we understand out of APEC, the president might announce a deal with China that would result in going after those who produce the chemicals in China that are used to make fentanyl in Mexico. I suppose it will, you know, maybe take a minute or so for proof of that to surface, right? We might have to to see if China goes after any, you know, chemical precursor suppliers. But more importantly, what did China maybe get in return for this, do you think, if they're agreeing to do that? When we we went there with senators, we actually um, raised this issue with them on multiple occasions. Uh, like everybody we met with, we brought the fentanyl issue up with. Um, Good. Now you can argue, uh, and at that time they didn't make a commit. They did not make a commitment, but at the end they kind of suggested they might. And I can tell you why they were unclear about it. Um, but um, what could they get out of it? Well, the goodwill of the United States. One thing that would be more, you know, real tangible for the Chinese government: selling fentanyl overseas allows Chinese to move capital out of China. I read about a year ago that about a billion dollars a day leaves China in capital flight. Now, why? Because rich people and businesses in China don't trust the Chinese government, and so they want to get their money out. If somebody orders fentanyl and they pay the Chinese chemical firm um, and whatever they pay them in, but it stays in a bank in the West, well, the company still has the money. It's just in the West. It's out of the reach of the Chinese authorities. So I can actually see the Chinese being interested in this from their perspective as well. It also shows a lot of Chinese don't want to be under the Chinese Communist Party. It's not the Chinese problem. It's the Chinese Communist Party. Wow, that's, that's fascinating. Um, okay, so earlier this year, China's president famously said the U.S. is trying to contain them, suppress them. 
Um, I think that's probably a clear reference to like sanctions, tariffs, but also these export controls on things like advanced chips, semiconductors. Um, I, I know this summer China hit back with their own export controls on critical minerals, which are needed to make the chips. And we know China has a lot of the, those minerals. Is part of the talks you expect the president to have with Xi Jinping at APEC about stopping these sort of restrictions against one another? You know, I'll do this export control, you do this export control. Or is this actually deeper than that? This is a national security concern, and we're not going to be you know, sending advanced AI chips to China so their military can use them. Uh, you, you, that is the, the, the way you ended is the exact way to frame it. By the way, the Chinese were effectively not sending stuff to us before. Um, and the U.S. government is only restricting a very small set of things, not other things. And the things that we're restricting are things that have a dual use, not just in the commercial space, but also in the military space. Uh, so, uh, and mm. China has worked. So, so both sides are doing it. it uh, China, because they want to control things like critical minerals, and the United States, because we don't want to give the Chinese a leg up on competing with us militarily. Now, frankly, I trust Americans more than I trust the Chinese Communist Party. And <laughs> I, uh, I am strongly in favor of these export controls. It puts us just a little bit further ahead of the Chinese coming up with things like AI and AI that can be used for military applications, as an example. Part of the problem is that there's been a pattern by Xi Jinping, the president of China, in which he is just stating publicly that he wants to challenge the United States in so many words, uh, that they are putting investment in things that would challenge us, and that they are threatening a hot war over Taiwan. And then the United States responds. Imagine that. Uh, and so um, uh, I think the United States actions are perfectly appropriate, given that what Xi Jinping has publicly stated. Does this president bring up Taiwan over the course of, of their talks or how, how does Taiwan? Think, because the Taiwanese will be there. There will be Taiwan repre Taiwanese representatives at APEC, which I imagine might be, you know, awkward. Well, I suspect the Chinese will bring it up. Um, and way back when, when Richard Nixon reopened the door to China, and then this policy has been supported by every president since, there's a little bit of a don't ask, don't tell attitude between the United States and Taiwan. Uh, so, uh, but we've always insisted that any resolution of the relationship of Taiwan with the mainland be done peacefully. And we have committed that if uh, non-peaceful means are used in order to attempt to reunite, that, that the United States would push back upon that. Um, but subsequently, Xi Jinping has said that if peaceful means don't work, they will leave open other options. So there really is a potential there for armed conflict, one thing triggering another. But that goes back to the beginning of our conversation. That's why it's important for our militaries to be speaking to each other to hopefully limit any area in which we might have confrontation. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I guess we'll wait and see after the Taiwan, Taiwanese elections in January. Um, this just a couple more for you, Senator. The, you know, this July at a campaign reception, President Biden said 
don't worry about China, like worry, but don't. And he cited their economic struggles, and he said that Xi Jinping was also embarrassed by the spy balloon, that he hadn't known about it. Um, and also he said that, that she didn't want the U.S. to restart the quad, um, you know, the grouping of Australia, India, Japan, and U.S. working together. All of that kind of seemed pretty insightful. I just wanted to know what you make of the president saying that as our intelligence and defense officials paint China as a, a threat or at the very least an adversary. Yeah, I think that the president, oh, I could be mean, but let's just say I don't think the president was – quite getting where our rest of our establishment is. Um, if, he, if he's trying to say that our military is currently superior to China, that's fine. But our military considers China a peer nation. And there's been public reports based upon the uh, leaked emails that came out earlier this year that right now the United States thinks that in a hot war that, that the West could not stop China from taking Taiwan. Um, now, that's not to say that we would not win a conflict elsewhere, but it is to say on something that close to the Chinese mainland's coast that we would not win that war. So I think the president's being a little bit whistling past the graveyard if he's trying to say we've got nothing to worry. All right. Finally, sir, the administration has said that climate is on the agenda here. Um, I know you've got legislation that would impose a fee on I guess, uh, products that, that come in from high greenhouse gas emitting countries. That would be China. But I just wonder, what does that mean for us? Aren't, aren't we a pretty large contributor, even if we've decreased emissions? You know, um, thank you for raising it, Jennifer. So we do propose a foreign pollution fee. And just a little bit of background. Um, the United States is decreasing its greenhouse gas emissions so that we now produce less carbon dioxide in the atmosphere than we did in 2005. So in 2005, uh -huh. we were higher than we are now, even though now we have a bigger economy, more people, and we produce more oil and gas, and we have more industry. That's how much progress we've made. And currently, China emits about one-third of all the greenhouse gas emissions worldwide. China by itself. Now, why do they do that? Well, because to control pollution costs money. And by not working to control pollution, it's cheaper to produce goods in China, which incentivizes manufacturing with the jobs to move to China, which strengthens their economy. And did I say they use that money to modernize their military? So what our foreign pollution fee does is it says, okay, China, it cost us this amount of money to control pollution. You're not spending that, so therefore your goods are cheaper. We're going to put a fee roughly equal to what the U.S. spends to control pollution on any good you ship us in certain categories. When we do that, it levels the playing field as to whether a company would invest in the United States or China. It encourages China to begin to control their pollution. And by the way, it relatively weakens their economy, meaning they have less money to modernize, modernize their military and to promote other things. What does it mean for us? It would mean more jobs in the United States, uh, more like manufacturing jobs, construction jobs, etc. It would mean if they start to buy our natural gas and replace their coal, there would be more sales of natural gas from the United States helping, us, helping our balance of trade issues. It would mean they have less money to spend on their military, so we have less to worry about. Um, I could keep going, but that's a pretty good start. We feel with okay. our foreign pollution fee, we do a lot of good things. 
Do you have time for one more? You got to go. Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, this is a, a little bit off track, but because we were just talking about, you know, making things, and I know that this administration, making things in America, and I know this administration's been focused obviously on semiconductors and like EV batteries, right? Like electric car components and parts. I wonder why there hasn't been a bigger focus on us making our medicine at home. And I ask that on behalf of everyone who relies on medicine and is scared about the possibility of increasing tensions, whether or not there's a war with Taiwan or not, um, that if this relationship isn't working, why aren't we more focused on making more of our medicine at home? Jennifer, I like your thinking. Um, (laughs) And Congress has actually passed bills that would give grants to companies to make um, to, 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 to make drug manufacturing facilities here in the United States. The importance of this is that most of the penicillins and cephalosporins, I'm told, uh, so the pill you go to the doctor's office, he gives you some penicillin or some augmentin, uh, is made in China. Now, what if we did go to war with China? All of a sudden, we wouldn't have penicillins and cephalosporins. So that's a problem, big problem. Now, why would you have to give a grant? Because China subsidizes pharmaceutical manufacturers to build their plants in China, subsidizes them, makes it cheaper for them to do so. Therefore, it's cheaper for them to manufacture. Therefore, those drugs are cheaper when you ship them around the world. Uh, Congress put dollars up to help jumpstart a domestic pharmaceutical manufacturing. And by the way, we need to do some more things because we will never subsidize as much as China does. But... If China continues to subsidize and our pharmaceutical manufacturing doesn't take off, uh, did I mention anything about a hot war and losing access to those drugs? Uh, well, I'll mention it again. So we've got to take a long-range interest in how we are going to manage pharmaceutical manufacturing to kind of cushion us against so, but, the decision that China th- made that would deny us access to life, uh, life-saving drugs. But you would think after COVID right? Like that that would take even a maybe a, a bigger or at least as much of a precedent as precedence as, as uh, you know, EV batteries. You know what I mean? Like why? I appreciate that Congress is doing that, right? Like that, that they're trying to incentivize because China incentivizes, right? But like, where's the where's that push like the same way there is for semiconductors? So there is that push. And some of this is already taking place. Um, and we can offline get you examples of where that's happening. Um, but, um, but now the market force, though, is that you've got to have contracts in order to buy the product, even if the product costs a little bit more than something produced in China. Um, um, and I can't tell you off the top of my head where these plants are, but I can tell you something else. Uh, after the, during the pandemic, we ran out of disposable medical gloves. So now, uh, with help from Congress and the American taxpayer, there is a facility to make disposable medical gloves uh, that is near Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, they are uh, doing everything they can to lower the cost of making these gloves, to make it competitive with those brought in from China. Uh, and, and, and part of that is making sure they have contracts that guarantee that whatever they produce, they will actually be able to sell. Uh, that's the, that's the mm-hmm. tough part. But that's just one example of the ecosystem of masks, gloves, pharmaceuticals that Congress invested in after the COVID epidemic. Louisiana Republican Senator Bill Cassidy, thank you so much for joining. 
Hey, Jennifer, really good interview. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Be well. Yes, ma'am. Bye. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.